You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hour two, Anita Marks with you on this Sunday morning here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, a lot to get to today. Obviously, we haven't even hit on the Knicks yet, who uh, unfortunately lost to Boston last night. But court storming. Uh, this is a hot topic, so who better to have on other than uh, Coach Seth Greenberg? You can see him all over our ESPN platforms. Uh, very late notice to join me on the program, so I'm very much appreciative. Seth, good morning. How are you? Doing great. Taking a little walk in the brisk Connecticut uh, sunshine. Life is good. Long day yesterday, but a great day basketball, and unfortunately uh, a little bit of an ugly incident at the Wake Forest Duke game. Absolutely. Uh, I know you were at that UConn-Villanova game, and we talked about it on ESPN Bet on Friday, uh, expecting UConn to bounce back after that loss to Creighton. We'll get into that a little bit later, but the court storming set it up for everybody the last 30 minutes, right? Wake, we talked about it again. Wake needed this win against Duke uh, because they were on that bubble watch. With this win, 83-79, to anticipation that they will get an invite and, and will get into the big dance. So understanding how excited the fan base is, but boy, the court storming and all that entails. Uh, your, your thoughts on what happened last night? I thought the administration at Wake Forest dropped the ball, uh, plain and simple. You're talking about a game, obviously it's an important game. It reminded me of when Virginia Tech uh, hosted a game day when I was the head coach. And we played Duke. And we were in a very similar situation. Needed to win to get in the tournament. We won the game, we didn't get in the tournament, but that's another story. Uh, and so two days before the game, administration called a meeting. I was invited into the meeting. We sat down, and we mapped out a plan. If we're fortunate enough to win this game, X, Y, and Z. How are we going to get the visiting team's players off safely and still celebrate the win? And quite honestly, the administration at Virginia Tech executed it seamlessly. The Duke players got off the court with no issue whatsoever. And we had one of those special moments where players in the community and the student body shared a great win. Having said that, I was shocked, to be honest with you, because the students at Wake Forest, they sit in the baselines, both baselines. I was shocked the lack of security that you could see in those videos. I was shocked that Steve Forbes called the timeout with like 1.8 seconds or two seconds left, I thought to give the security an opportunity to get in place to make sure that the players got off the court safely. Now, I understand Duke is like a lightning rod. People say, oh, look what's over. No, stop. It is the obligation of the home institution to make sure that the visiting team gets off the court safely. And they dropped the ball. And, you know, John Curry actually sent a letter out or a message out to, through social media basically admitting they dropped the ball. It was an embarrassing moment for their administration. So I've changed my philosophy a little bit on court storming. I used to call myself the commissioner of court storming. You know, if it's a top five game, you can court storm. If it's a packed house, you can court storm because people cared. You know, I had these whole, whole criteria. The answer to court storming is simple. Game ends, and instead of the students, two, three, four, five thousand students rushing onto the middle of the court, you bring your 15 players into the student section, and they celebrate with their peers. And that way, the visiting team can safely 
exit the court. The officials can safely exit the court. You eliminate the potential for an ugly situation. And that yesterday was an ugly situation. Um, you know, a, a few things, and, and again, been talking about this, uh, received a few calls, some suggestions. One thing that I stumbled upon is the fines. Apparently, SEC has fines in place, $100,000 for the first court storm, two hundred and fifty dollars for the second, $500,000, half a million dollars for the third. The ACC has none in place. Um, is that something that you think should be universal a- across the board in college basketball? Yeah, but the 100000 means nothing to the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, or any power conference. It really doesn't because they get that moment. They get that video, the ownership, the passion, the energy of the student body coming together with the team. It's a, it's a, great, it's a great video. You know, it's a great image. It's got to be right from the beginning, an absolutely big number. It's got to be because 100000 it's worth it to get that moment. It really is. That school, that you know, it's worth it. It's got to be, if you're going to find them, it's got to be a big number. I think the other thing that needs to happen, Nita, if you're not going to take the plan I, I think is makes sense, I think what you have to do is you have to have, every, every university has to have a plan in place. It's got to be sent to the league office. The league office has to approve it and then hold them accountable so that, if something does happen, we are here's our plan. We have a potential for a court storm. We're going to increase our security by this percent. We are going to create a wall for the student athletes to get off the court. We're going to assign a security officer to each of the visiting team's players to safely sprint out and get those players to the sideline and away from the melee. And whatever it is. There's got to be a plan. And what I saw yesterday was appalling. And I am a big John Curry fan. I'm so happy for Steve Forbes. He's one of my dear friends in coaching. I mean, I've known him since he's a junior college coach. Uh, I thought he called that timeout to let the plan be in place so that it, they can execute it. Let, let me ask, let me ask you something. this. You know, being a former coach, do you think you would have had the wherewithal knowing how important this game was for Wake, knowing how desperate they were to win this? Um, do you think you would have had the wherewithal in the moment to look around and say, you know what, I don't see enough security. I need to protect my players. If you were the Duke head coach, do you think you'd have the wherewithal to do that in that in that moment? I would have had, you know, I, quite honestly, I had the wherewithal the day before, to make, or a couple of days before to make sure I was part of that meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I might the only thing Steve Forbes could have done as a coach, like it, when he called that timeout, he could have. And, and I don't. Steve's wonderful, and I, I'm not sure I would have had to wear. Get to the microphone and say, "So many four seconds left in the game. We are so excited that you're here. We have opportunity to celebrate this great win. We are going to allow Duke players to exit the court safely, and then let's go." That would have been potentially, you know, a solution because the where the students sit at Wake, there was just a wall of people. And here's the other thing that everyone wants to document the moment. So if you go back and look at that tape, they all have their phones out. They're not looking where they're going. 
All right, they're oblivious. Now, there was one person that when Phil Paschke at first kind of shielded himself, pushed him in the back, I thought, I have a real problem with that. I have a real problem with that. I think that student, there's got to be some repercussions. So I mean, that's like a cheap shot. That's like a flagrant one or two. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, that was unacceptable. I'm sure the administration feels that was unacceptable. But there, would I have to wear? I don't know. I don't know. In that moment, uh, to go to the mic, to make that statement, uh, that's the only thing that could have happened. That could have alleviated. You could say like. You put it on the clock, there's a, a one-minute time period, basically, to give the visiting team a chance to get off the court, and then when the buzzer goes off, the students can come. I mean, that's that, that. But, you know, the students can get hurt also coming down in a court storm. So oh, absolutely. I just think you have to have something in place to allow these, the visiting team a chance to get off uh, get off the court. I, I It's... To me, that, that, that's the thing that resonates. We saw it with Caitlin Clark. That was just a student that was literally not paying attention uh, and, you know, running into her. And, and that's what happens in the moment. Maybe some are intoxicated. Maybe some are just excited. Maybe some won't have that one viral moment of being on the court celebrating with their team. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why. But, uh, I used to be a big proponent of it. I think we've got to look at it because we cannot. And universities, the liability, you know, the liability of someone getting hurt is great. Uh, you know, Jay Bills say, you know, in the NBA, they don't allow fans on the court. You know, they don't allow the players into the stands. They don't allow the fans in the court. Uh, I, I do think that the solution we see the K-State and Texas Tech you see the players going up the aisles of the student sections and celebrating, and it's a good moment. It's a good moment, and it's kind of a way. It's, it's real simple. Would you, would you, uh, you want to move 2,000, 3,000 people, or do you want to move 15 people? Because that's what you're doing. Right. 15 people go up to the stands, you celebrate. 2,000 people storming on a court in a limited space is – Potentially a disaster. Uh, two other two other suggestions have been have been thrown out there. One is banning students, putting the fear in students that they'll never be able to attend another game uh, of their college, their university, whether it's it's basketball, football, whatever the case may be. I, I, there's so many people there. I don't know, do you do face recognition with with you know it? I, I don't know how you implement that. And then and then what about another thing was putting the students. Um, higher up, not on the baseline. But I would imagine as a coach, that would you, be awful. you you wouldn't want that because you'd lose the home court advantage. Well, not just the home court advantage. The students, let's face it, the, student, the, the boosters finance the program. The boosters create the energy in the building. And, you know, to me, because of this situation, to punish all those students in the atmosphere and the thing that makes college basketball different, no, I, we we just got to come up with a better plan. Yeah, you know, you can put them up in the second second uh, tier, but you know what? That, that that's not the answer because you know it's like anything. Like you're punishing you're punishing the masses for the stupidity of a few. 
Uh, Coach, always great to have you on. I appreciate your time. Hopefully you're having a, a, a nice uh, morning walk uh, up there in, uh, uh, in... It's beautiful out here. A little cold, but you know what? A little invigorating. You know, I had, I had half times at 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 after the, the show. Had to get a little invigorated, so I'm ready to go. Fantastic. Uh, always great to hear your voice and, and always appreciate your time, Coach. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Thanks, Sunday. Me. Appreciate you. You got it. Right. You got it. Seth Greenberg joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. We're still going to hear from Dallin Cuff coming your way at, at 1030. We'll see if he agrees. And we'll take your calls. 800-919-3776. Coach says, no, you, you don't want to move the students. You don't, you, you don't want to, you know, he, and he's right. Boosters. So important for, uh, for any 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 program that's for sure increased security how much security do you think would have been needed to stop that stampede i don't I, like i don't know um anyway we'll, we'll take your calls next 98.7 espn robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Let's get your calls. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Martha in White Plains. Martha, good morning. Welcome in. Hi. Big fan, Anita. So I have a solution that probably isn't going to be very popular, but my feeling is that you tell the fans that if they storm the court, the game, the game is recorded as a loss, you'll keep them off the court. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that the universities or the coaches will, will go for that. Um, but I, I, I mean, can tell you it will work. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 think, I think it'll work, but... Yeah, I, I don't I, I just don't think that'll fly. Uh, let's go to Cooper in New York. Cooper, welcome in. Good morning. Love you. Love the show. Um, it's all about protecting the student athletes, I would think. Isn't that one of the paramount concerns that the university should have? I, I think. Listen, I think it's about protecting everybody. I, I mean, granted, the, the the you know the the student is the student section. The students are the ones that are uh, you know risking their health by because they're the ones who are storming but nonetheless I, you know I, I think you know you, you don't want a lawsuit on your hands either right but yes at the end of the day the most important thing is 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 protecting 
the student athletes both visiting and away. So why why is this practice allowed? We've stopped it in professional sports. It doesn't. It's it's not a general practice in college football games where there's a ton of intensity and a ton of love for for their for their school. You send out messages. You give everybody a piece of paper when they walk in. You increase the police presence, and it's done. You come on the court. You're subject to expulsion. End of story. Or if you're not a student of the of the university, charges will be pressed against you. Done. Why are we trying to appease this type of action from occurring when we know that there's really no need for it? You want to celebrate and, and run around? Go outside, celebrate, run around. Why on the court? Did you, and, and please don't hang up. I want to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, did you hear, were you listening to the conversation with, with, uh, with Coach? And, and I asked him, I said, what about, what about the fines that come down, right? Like the SEC, $100,000 mm-hmm. for the first. He said, the, the video of the court storming is worth the $100,000. So if you're going to start fining these schools, you, you've, you've got to put a number on there where it's really going to burn and it's really going to hurt. That, that was surprising you, you, to me. Wasn't that surprising? Yeah, yeah, well, like well, $100,000 well, is... The school, so the they want these videos. The schools have money to burn. When I say fine, it's fining the individuals who are perpetrating, not the university itself. There's some, there's some booster that'll write a check and say, all right, that was really great. Sorry that this guy got hurt. Maybe we'll send ten grand to his family. But, man, that was fun. I'm talking about the individual who perpetrate the act, whether it's a student, whether it's a friend, whether it's whomever. You can't come on the court. End of story. You can't come on the court in the middle of the game, even when there's a break in the action. It's, it's just the practice that sometimes we allow things to happen, and this will stop when someone actually winds up in, in a bad situation. Then it'll, then it'll, someone will say, we need to do something about this. It's, it's bad. There's no reason for it. As a fan watching on TV, I get no further enjoyment when the game ends watching the kids storm the, storm the court. Zero. Have you ever stormed? Have you ever done anything like that? No. I, I, not, I, not, I never have. My, I, I never my have partook. My stance isn't because it's a practice that I haven't performed. That's not why. It's just it's it's reckless at this point. No, I understand. I'm I'm just no. I I understand. I'm just I'm just curious. Um, no, Cooper, no, thanks I, thanks I, for I, the I, phone call. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, Tom, have you ever have you ever done anything like this? I mean, not you know, it could have been you know a, a football game. I've been to football games where they've stormed the court and took down the goalpost. You've seen that, right? That, I mean, that's. That's equally as, as, as dangerous because you've, you've got a bunch of students that are hanging on a goalpost. Now, I, I've definitely seen that stuff, and that's incredibly dangerous, taking down the goalposts, because that levies you a lot more than just a few hurt students. I mean, that can crush somebody and do some serious damage, if not permanent damage. Um, and course storming and whatnot, I haven't experienced it in person. However, I can take my experience from like going to concerts and stuff in person, too, where you have like a mosh pit or something like that. And it's kind of the same concept. People going wild like over the music or something like that. And you jump around, you push people like people can get knocked over. Luckily, people help you back up if they're nice enough. And most pits usually are. But people can get seriously hurt in that. Like I've seen people like leave with bloody noses, like some broken bones or some fractures or something like that. And granted, it's a whole different situation because of, like, it being concerts and court storming, but the same concept applies, Anita. Like, people will go wild just to celebrate anything or just 
to like live life and that's living in the moment and if that's what people ultimately want to do then that's what people are going to do and I don't know if a fine is necessarily going to stop them it'll disencourage it like the caller was saying I agree with Cooper there but at the end of the day people will get seriously hurt if you're not careful and you don't got people around you that will care enough about you to help you get back up so you've you've been in a mosh mosh pit I've gone to a, a number of concerts where there are mosh pits, um, so I, I've seen it firsthand. I know friends who go into them regularly, and usually they're okay, but like, yeah, it, it, it's a co- common occurrence at the concerts. I don't think I could do that. It's not, it's I, not, it's I, not I get, for everybody, I will say that. I get anxious shopping during the holidays. Like I like I like I I can't you know you're at the mall you walk into it like like I feel like Sephora during the holidays is always like just insanely crowded I like I can't yeah like, it, I get exactly it's like Black Friday or something like that like like with the shopping and all that like how many videos have you seen like in the past where people are running into Walmart or Target or into a mall like at the crack of midnight or whenever the Black Friday sale begins people get trampled people die like luckily I don't know of a situation where that's happened but. It's possible. You got to protect people. It's insane. It really is insane. Uh, 800-919-3776. Uh, we're going to hear from Dallin Cuff as well. I want to dive into some uh, some college basketball talk as well. Um, the uh, Joe Lenardi uh, bracketology, as we get closer, of course, to March Madness, and it's really probably my second football, obviously number one, both college and pro. Uh, March Madness has to be by far my second favorite sporting event, even more so than NBA playoffs. Um, I, I just love it. So again, uh, Wake Forest, Ole Miss, Utah, Butler. These are these are you know four four teams coming into yesterday, coming into this week that were on the bubble. Why the significance of Wake needing to win? Uh, right now, if, this, if the season was to end today, what would that bracket look like? Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona more than likely would be your your four ones. Um, you know, who are, who are some uh, sleepers as well? Some uh, some teams out there that Dallin feels could make the tournament and, and possibly make a good run. Uh, so we'll dive into all that next right here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Without further ado, Dallin Cuff joins us here on 98.7 ESPN. Obviously, the court storming, big story uh, this morning, after what happened with Wake and Duke, if you're just tuning in, Wake Forest beat Duke yesterday, 83-79, to 79, a must-win for Wake, uh, with their chances, of course, to be invited to the big dance and participate in March Madness. Uh, no doubt fans were ecstatic with the win. 
court stormed, and of course, players like Filipowski were injured. How are you doing, Dallin? Uh, re- reckless, reckless night last night. <laughs> oh, for some. Not, I was in studio all day. I'm safe and sound. But yeah, a little dangerous for Filipowski. <laughs> Absolutely. So your, your thoughts, your thoughts on, on what happened? Uh, first and foremost, like I will say this from my standpoint, I've all, I, I have enjoyed court stormings, uh, as part of college basketball. Um, I do recognize it is somewhat of an indefensible position because we like something and have like the visual, like the experience, had it happen as a player, like look back, I talked to other players on the receiving end, on the rushing end, fans, people that are involved with lifetime memories, but because we like that stuff doesn't mean it should be there. So I understand the position is hard to defend and I'm not here to defend that necessarily. What I will say is that. Uh, Wake Forest was completely overprepared. Um, you could see last week when you saw UConn beat uh, Creighton uh, beat UConn, their their plan was enacted. They had tons of security guards with r- ropes in all their hands pulled off, section off the players, really well executed. Wake Forest, you, when you look at that baseline, Anita, where on the side of the court where Filipowski was, there's not a single security guard lined up. The, pl- the, the students are basically on the baseline, and they come on like rushing like cockroaches with the lights on. Like it was just chaos, and it was dangerous for him. But also when you watch the replay, which unfortunately all day in studio, I say it was like the Zapruder film. We Zapruder filmed the hell out of this, this situation on the flexion of our society. And that's what we did. But when you look at them all running on, then you saw like pileups of kids too. Because they're not just running out there with all these arms and legs like it's the running of the bulls. They've got their stinking phones in their hands too. So you're not even looking where you're really going. And people are falling everywhere. So it, it clearly is a dangerous situation. We had the Kalen Clark incident earlier this year. And Phil Powski get hurt. If he actually is out for an extended period of time, that's egregious because, again, Wake Forest said they had a plan. There was no execution plan. They are guilty of that. You were the favorites. They were minus three in that game. You had to expect to win. You had to plan. You had to execute it. They didn't do any of that. I understand John Shire's complaints. I understand Duke fans and Filipowski's. The last thing I will say as Duke partner, as a, as a, as a Duke person, while you're always salty about this, and I'm not saying I am, is the fact that you, you never, you're only stormed on. But you're never on the other side of it. It's happened in very rare situations in the last 30 or 40 years for Duke where they stormed the court at Cameron, I believe for Coach Case 500, when they did that, uh, and maybe one or two other instances that were earlier on in his tenure. Like this is not the, abnorm- the, the norm for them is to get stormed on. And I understand why they're frustrated and annoyed by it when it ended. And I do think going forward we're probably going to see that. We're going to see the criminalization of, of people coming on the floor like we do the professional ranks or the fines that exist for every major conference except for the ACC will be exponentially higher to as a deterrent to doing this. And, and, and moving forward, you know, you mentioned about you mentioned the fines uh, again. Uh, the SEC does have fines in place. One hundred thousand dollars for the first two fifty for the second five hundred thousand for the third. And talking to coach Seth Greenberg, he said one hundred thousand dollars is worth that moment. Like that, like one hundred thousand yeah, dollars to a university. Drop, drop in the bucket. Exactly. So 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 where so so if you're. And, and, and again, you know, in talking to Seth earlier today, like he said the same thing, like, hey, you know, Wake wasn't prepared. So if you're going to find a university, what's that starting number? Is that starting number a half a million dollars? Probably. I and mean, yeah, it's exponentially higher. I and mean, right now, again, bear in mind, the ATC is zero. So let's just start there. The only major conference doesn't offer, doesn't, doesn't uh, have fines for this. The Big East, it's five grand. The, the Big 12, and uh, I, was, I believe it's 25, and the Pac-12 was 25, but it was 50. And we already had just outlined the SEC, which has the biggest fine. Yeah, it's got to be exponentially higher. Maybe half a million bucks, maybe a million bucks. If you start there, guess what you would do? You would have a plan in place. You would deter from students from doing it. You'd be making announcements in the second half that if you come on this court, you will be you will be prosecuted. If that's what you really want to stop it, that's what stops it. 
because then it, then it makes kids be like, man, I don't, I, I love, I, I thought I wanted to do this. Maybe we did it two years ago, but I, I'm not going to jail for this. And now, if you want, if that, if that fine is that big, universities will will respond as such. Five, twenty-five, fifty, even a hundred grand for these schools is literally nothing for the, again the memories, the visuals, the program win, the comments conversation afterwards. It's all worth it. It's an expense that's baked in essentially. Hoping if you're kind of a team team in the mid to lower tier of a conference, hoping you have it happen because that means you had a program win. You know, one one common denominator that I'm hearing you and, and Coach and, of course, all the analysts uh, who have been, you know, obviously commenting on this is more security. But, man, yeah. Dallin, that was a stampede. Like, 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 how, like mm-hmm. how many men, how many men do you think it would take to stop that type of, cor- like, I think it would take, a, a, like, a lot in regard, in, in regard well, to security I- to stop that. I mean, that was like. That was insane. Like you said, cockroaches yeah, you, to, with the lights on. Yeah, you do, you do hire extra security, but what you do too is, the, again, the plan. So let's rewind. Let's use yesterday as an example. With 2.4 seconds left, Steve Forbes calls a timeout to prepare his team. Now, Shire said afterwards in his comments, prepare his team for how they're going to play. It's a four-point game. They're going to throw it long. Don't really contest hard. Do not foul. Let them catch. Let them shoot. Whatever. If you have a chance at the ball, bat it. Whatever. Catch it. Do not make contact with the player. Steve Forbes is doing his job. Shire's doing his job trying to say, hey, guys, we, we're going to throw it long. We're trying to catch, get a three up. Maybe they hit us. Like, you're trying, to, you're trying to design the play. You're trying to play the game. And the coaches have the right to lay zeros on the clock to run the game. That said, the administration had the time, too. 2.4 seconds left. If we actually had a plan, Anita, to your point, when you looked at that baseline, it should have been a line of security. 30, 40 people, maybe, maybe probably say on that baseline, 30 people, because that's where the student section is. You're not, you're not quarantining the entire court necessarily. You were corralling the student section. You had that line of security, like they did at Creighton, or you've seen other places too, holding a rope with security almost hand in hand. It's not like one person on each end. It's a person every foot essentially holding that rope. So we are holding the line essentially, not letting them in. They do that on both baselines with that 2.4 seconds. With that timeout, it's two minutes. You have time if you practice it. We're running everybody out. We're locking it out. Ball gets tipped. Players rush it to the side. They start to go over. The one side of the court begins to allow from that are away from the players. They start to move their line so the people can rush on that side, and you move out of the way. Yes, it is still a dangerous situation for the students. They are going to do it. But you've at least executed your plan, and you, your question, how many security guards? It's not like you need 1,000 people. It's not, a, it's not a military force. It's 30, 40 people on each baseline or wherever the student section may be in your respective school, and you organize it as such, and you can do it. You've hired the extra security, got a sold-out venue. It's a huge thing, and you can't have this repercussion. If you treat it like that, you can prevent it in a way that's as chaotic as what we saw last night. Um, before we move on, I just want to ask you more broad picture like in regard to some of the results from yesterday and, and, and moving forward. Um, Filipowski, any update in regard to how severe of, of an injury this is? I'm, you know, uh, I, I know at first we heard ankle, then there's some reports that it's it's a knee. D- do you know anything in regard to the severity of the injury? I have not connected with anybody internally at Duke or, or made any calls this morning. Um, I was I was I was in the studio until about one a.m. So yes, I did not I did not inquire yet. I will wait and see what happens here throughout the course of the day. I'll probably make some uh, calls or send some texts here a little bit to see if who's heard what. It may be public versus private. Um, they do play Louisville next, so I imagine if he's banged at all, they banged at all, they do not play him. Um, because why? I mean, they can beat Louisville without him, without a doubt, and they need him for the stretch run. He is, he is their most important player. That's what makes it even a bigger deal. That's why when Kalen Clark got hurt, hit earlier this year, that's why I make it a bigger deal when it's not just 
it's just a re- reflection of it's just society. You know, the more value, the more important, the more power somebody has when something happens, there are bigger repercussions for it. If the best player in the women's game, a top five or top ten player in the men's game, could potentially get hurt. She did not. He may. We still don't know. So that's why that's why things that's how things can change going forward. Right. Uh, again, Dallin Cuff joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, before we let you, you, you go, uh, let's talk about some of the results from yesterday. Obviously, last night, UConn 78, Villanova 54. UConn looking to bounce back from their loss to Creighton. Certainly they did. Um, you know, it, your, your thoughts on this UConn team? And uh, as we get closer to March Madness, you know, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll get a, a number one seed. Um, how confident are you that, that they could win it all this season? Very. I mean, they, they have more confidence to me that I have more confidence in them than any team in college basketball because they can win in different ways. Um, they can, if you want to play, if they play at pace, they can score in pace and transition. They, they, they can score in the half court. They can defend you in the half court. They have the toughness and physicality, the championship pedigree. They have all the things you want. They've got dynamic guards. They've got an inside presence in Klingon. Um, they got guys that can make shots. Hopefully Alex Caravan can kind of get himself right again um, to help them in that, in that endeavor. But and Tristan Newton just got his fourth triple double of his career last night. I mean, UConn as a program has had 15 in history. He's got a, he's got four of them. It's bananas wow. uh, what, what that young man has done. Um, and he's one of the best guards in the country. And we know how important that is. Cam Spencer, one of the best guards in the country. when you get to tournament time, so I have a complete confidence that this team can repeat. I know how hard it is, and there are different pieces. That's what actually keeps this thing fresh. These dudes are hungry. Uh, also, Klingon and Newton and Caravan played important roles last year, but the majority of the other guys are new and are are, are dying for this opportunity. Um, that said, I feel like they have most confidence in them. I do not have confidence in Purdue to win a national championship. Uh, to get to the Final Four, sure. Um, for them to go 6-6, six and six, relying so much on Zach Eady when he can get in foul trouble, and also those guards, they're good players. They, are, they have limitations, and they do not see uber-athletic teams very often or teams that can get up in them and really challenge them athletically in the Big Ten very often. And they, we've obviously seen them struggle. Ohio State's not a good loss, you know, just, 10 day, just last week, I guess a week ago from today, like they are, they are beatable to subpar competition. You take a look at UConn and who UConn has lost to and where they've lost Kansas at Kansas, Creighton at Creighton. Those are true, I mean, true road games. Um, and then yes, you, you, you lose, you lose one non-conference game in a neutral court. Like they are, they are a very, very good team. And I trust Purdue and the other can We go talk about them. Don't trust them as much. Houston a little bit more so, but Houston has their offensive struggles at times. Those are the three that have separated and, and the Huskies have my, have, that would be the best bet, and I believe they're about five and a half to one to win it all. If you're going to place the future, that is it's unfortunate to always do the favorite, but they haven't always been the favorite, but in my mind, the last two or three months, they've been the best team in college basketball. Yeah, I had Houston minus two and a half yesterday against Baylor. Boy, uh, was yeah. I biting my fingernails towards the end of that that overtime, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, before yeah, we you let you go... That, you wanted that Jamal Shed shot to count. That Shed shot. Yeah, yeah, the people yeah. must have lost their mind, <laughs> and then that buzzer went off. They got oh you there anyway. Gosh. They took you there at OT. It was okay. Yeah, was was looking good in the first half. In the second half, I was like, "Oh no, yeah. uh, this is going to get dicey yeah. for me." Uh, last question before I let you go, and that is, g- give us a team out there that folks should start paying attention to now as we get closer to March Madness. That you feel like, "Hey, this is a team that's peaking. This is a team that very well could get into the tournament, make a run, maybe be the Cinderella story of this season." Who's that team we should we should start watching right now, Dallin? The Cinderella stuff is a little tougher, um, just because there are there are a number of teams that like you're, you're kind of shooting in the dark. I, I would I'm, I'm going to change your question a little bit. I know you asked it, and I'm going to kind of give you a different look because I just don't think they get much talked about. I think Illinois is going to be a team that's going to have a very good value to get to a Final Four. I am sold on, and I know they lost to Penn State, and they were up eight with 35 seconds left during the week and lost at Penn State. Terrible loss. They come back and beat Iowa in a shootout on the weekend. 
They have Coleman Hawkins as a pro. The five-man is a matchup problem. He creates a huge matchup issue in the interior and exterior for uh, so many programs in college basketball. Terrence Shannon, forget the legal stuff that's gone on in the season. I'm not dismissing it. He's playing. So as long as he's playing, he's one of the best top ten players in the country. They have other shot makers and playmakers around him. Defensively, they've shown they can be elite. They need to play at that level. I think that team can make a run to the Final Four. Also, Florida. Do not sleep on Florida. Todd Golden's team can score. They are starting to defend better. They have improved. They've got a bunch of bigs. They've got Tyree Samuel for a Seton Hall, Seton Hall player. Has really improved. Micah Hanlock and continues to get better. Didn't play that well yesterday, but continues to get better. Protects the rim. Their guard play is high level. Uh, and got different guys that can score in Zion Pullen and Walter Clayton Jr. Again, like I said, defensively they're getting better, and they're playing in a rugged SEC, and they continue to stack up really good wins in that league. Florida's a team I think should could end up being, you know, a six seven, maybe an eight would be low, but a five six seven seed that I could see easily getting themselves to the Final Four. Great stuff as always, Dallin. Again, I know you were up late last night, so we we so appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, my friend. Hope to see you soon on ESPN Bet. Anytime, Nina. Be well. You got it, Dallin Cuff joining us. Uh, so, uh, you know, two two um, views on, on what happened, both very similar, right? At the end of the day, better security. At the end of the day, uh, Wake Forest and uh, in, in that that program is is what failed last night. Not having the right security, calling timeout, uh, but not addressing the fact that, and, and they had to have known. Um, you know, talked about it all day yesterday, how important this game and this win would be for Wake Forest. Had to know that this type of thing would happen, but uh, no, no worry, it seems like. Uh, but now I'm sure uh, regretting, regret this morning. 800-919-3776. we come back, we'll get your calls. Carl and Mike will be first up right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. This is your opportunity, your last chance to uh, call in and and talk about uh, this court storming because we're going to switch gears at the top of the 11 a.m. hour. Let's talk about those Knicks who, again, unfortunately lost to Boston last night, but I, I wasn't expecting them to win. Um, not with Boston coming to town uh, with a full arsenal. And the Knicks, of course, still without OG, without Randall, without Mitch Robb. Uh, Brunson, 34 points, nine assists. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I want to talk big picture here. And, and so we'll switch some gears. We'll talk Knicks. Uh, we've got Alex Monaco, um, one of my partners in crime with uh, the stuff that I do on MSG. He's going to be uh, joining the show to talk Knicks at, at 1130. We'll hear from Moke Hamilton as well, and we'll take your calls. Also, I'll throw in a little NFL as uh, the Combine kicks off this week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. So, uh, we'll, we'll, and, and we're with you until 1230, so another 90 minutes coming your way at 11 a.m. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Carl in Scarsdale. Carl, welcome. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead. Floor is yours, Carl. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Um... I just wanted to let you know that the idea of uh, people getting injured, not just players, is not hypothetical. Uh, I think it was in around 1980 at the Yale-Harvard game, there was a student, they, at, it was at Yale in New Haven, a uh, football game, and they stormed the field, they pulled down the goalpost, and the goalpost fell and struck a young, at least one young woman on the head, 
and she was severely injured, changed her life. Um, I mean, she survived. She um, was, you know, I think did okay, but she was uh, athletic. She couldn't participate. She couldn't. She lost use, at least for in many ways, of part of her um, left or right side of her body. She had, you know, years of physical therapy, and it was a horrible situation. So the idea that, you know, could happen, might happen, it has happened. Um, and so it's really a big issue. Oh, absolutely. It's a big issue. Carl, thanks for the phone call. Uh, nobody is denying that. It's just, I, I think we're at a point right now where, um, you know, college programs and, and just the NCAA have to decide, you know, how do you, how do you stop this? Um, and come together as a whole, because again, in, in speaking to, to coach Seth Greenberg and Dallin Cuff, uh, once a coach, the other, you know, a former player, um, they both feel that Wake Forest failed on, on, on what happened last night. Let's go to Mike in Astoria. Mike, good morning. The building he's in. Yeah. Once he's out of that building. Mike, you there? Okay. Hello. All right. Let's put you. Hi, Mike. You there? I'm there. How are you? Uh, great. Thank you. All right. I wanted to, I think Filipowski could have had some self-awareness about what was going on and at least try to make his way off the court faster with his hands up, ready to go like Reggie Jackson. You know, everybody charged Reggie and Reggie was ready to go. This guy, Filipowski, he had his head down with his arms down. And I'm not saying it's his fault, but I mean, if a couple of thousand people are rushing me, you better believe I'm going to be ready. And to speak, uh, I, I heard there was some talk about being in a mosh pit. When you go to a mosh pit, and I've been in many, you're ready to get punched. You're ready to go. I've been in a football game. you got equipment on. No one's going to come at you when you're going to get hurt. This guy was prone, head down, like he didn't have a clue in the world. Again, not saying he was wrong, but my man, you got to be ready, especially when you know that's coming. That's all I got to say. Peace. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I'll go one step further. And I, I, I talked about this earlier. And again, I, I feel like I need to preface uh, because, uh, you know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want this to come out uh, in, in, in have this be said in, in, a, in a wrong way. But if you go back and you look at the film, uh, Filipowski, it, it looked like he and he, he tried to trip the Wake Forest fan, as opposed to, and, and listen, a few things. This is why I asked Seth Greenberg, you know, as a former coach, do you think that you would have had the wherewithal knowing, okay, we're going to lose this game. Um, I, I'm going to anticipate that the, that the fans are going to storm the court. So let me, let me make my players aware of what's coming so they know get off the court as quickly as possible. Or, or, you know, be more aware, be more heads up, be more protective of yourself. If you go back and you look at that video, uh, it, it, so again, it just looks like the Wake Forest fan said something, uh, I'm sure taunting to uh, Filipowski, and it looked like he reached his leg out to try to trip the fan. The fan looks like the fan tried to jump over and did not. And, and he fell flat on his face. And, and then Filipowski just got pummeled. Uh, and, and again, I'm not saying that he's responsible for this. Um, was probably frustrated and angry that A, they lost. And B, that the fan was saying something, I'm, I'm sure, derogatory towards him. Uh, and got his emotions, got the best of him. 
but nonetheless, yes, at the end of the day, should the Duke players have been more uh, more on the defensive side? Should the Duke head coach have warned his players to be a little bit more aware of what was to come? Possibly. Possibly. Uh, let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Michael, welcome in. Hi, Anita. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I want to try and condense multiple points into just one brief statement that uh, Bobby Knight had used for Mike Krzyzewski's Duke teams. He said, Duke plays the best basketball in the country. It's not always going to lead to a national championship, but when you're measuring the basketball that they play, it is without question the best basketball. Now, with Hurley at UConn bringing in this kid, Camp Spencer, it shows that he's interested in playing basketball. They're not looking for somebody who can get five dribbles, a step back three, and create his own space. The kid's 50, 40, 90. He was a lacrosse player in high school. His family's lacrosse-oriented. But what UConn is doing is really similar to what the Knicks are doing. Now, UConn is head and shoulders above the best teams in, in, in the country. But the Knicks are playing good basketball. Now, will it lead to a, Nash, a, a NBA championship? We don't know. But at least they're in the conversation now. And it's because they're playing basketball. They're not looking for the one guy who's the superstar, you know, brings Zion into the team, right, and everybody gives him the ball and gets added away. They might not even make the playoffs. So I know you're moving into the next conversation. I just wanted to bring that up. The kid, Cam Spencer, is absolutely doing an incredible job, and Rutgers losing him really hurt. Thanks for taking the call. You got it, Michael. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.